you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located right here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania where we broadcast live every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Thank you so much, Global Star. Of course, we're simulcast on BTR, that's Blog Talk Radio, and you can watch us live and by archive on our YouTube channel. Links to each audio and video broadcasting venue can be found, of course, at our home base on the internet at Hagman and Hagman.com. We've got two websites, HagmanReport.com. That's for news. Well, that's for show prep, news information and analysis, of course. Bookmark both websites. Uh, again, uh, Hagman and Hagman.com for, for show information, HagmanReport.com for news, news and information, of course. Now, tonight we've got a, a wonderful show for you planned out. Um, we we do uh, we're going to be going through a lot of news now because of some scheduling changes and some other things we're not going to be taking your phone calls however uh we do have um a couple of uh people are going to be stopping by and we're going to be getting into that later okay uh portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by healthmasters.com folks i want to remind everyone the Doug Five, the five percent sale, it ends tomorrow at midnight. Doug Five HealthMasters.com, folks, go to HealthMasters.com. Check your inventory of nutritional supplements. If you are low, or if you are going to be low, use Doug Five D O U G and the number five at checkout. That, that gives you 5% off all products. Folks, um, the res- the response to that has been fantastic. Now, it, it ends tomorrow. And after talking with Ted, I'm not sure when there will be another promotion. So please take advantage of healthmasters.com and the coupon code health 
D-O-U-G, five, healthmasters.com, Doug, five. Um, a couple of things before Joe comes on, I just want to touch base with, with everyone. You know, my, my heart is troubled today. Now, we've got so much to get into, but my heart is troubled um, in a number of different ways tonight. And I, and I know that a lot of people are feeling a lot of uh, the oppressiveness, I suppose, to, tonight, and they've been feeling it, and it's been... It's really been coming and, and increasing. It's increasing like you can't believe. Along with the uh, the oppression comes danger. Danger, Will Robinson, right? Well, I, I really feel in my heart that we are entering into a period of time right now where the danger factor for the United States is extreme, but more importantly, the danger factor for Christians, for Jews, for conservatives, social conservatives, constitutionalists, anti-abortion, or shall I say pro-life, and pro-Second Amendment. Those people, we've got big targets on our back. And uh, uh, there are so many things right now, so much information coming forth that, um, well, just to give you an example, the FEC, the federal, well, the FEC had uh, waged sanctions or, or attempted to wage sanctions against Fox News. Now, regardless of what you think about Fox News, I don't, I don't care. The FEC said, hey, wait a minute. We're going to punish you, Fox News. Did you see that? Fox was targeted by the FEC. In the first ever FEC right. uh, vote against, uh, a vote in secret, not to mention. Yes. Um, yes. And this, you know, the Washington Examiner sums it up nicely in their first paragraph. Finally making good on long-harbored anger at the conservative media, Democrats on the Federal Election Commission voted in secret to punish Fox News' sponsorship of a Republican presidential debate, using an obscure law to charge the network with helping those on stage. It is the first time in history that members of the FEC voted to punish a media outlet's debate sponsorship. It follows several years of Democratic threats against conservative media and websites like the Drudge Drudge Report. Now, Joe, before you go any further, I I had a great conversation with the editor of Canada Free Press today, Judy McLeod. The the, um, censorship on social media, or by social media, the censorship that is taking place all across the internet against conservatives and against Christians and against those people who are attempting to get, to get the truth out there has never been greater in the history, in her history of the internet. Now, this conversation, you know, things are taking place, Joe. I mean, we know, we knew this and this is not news to most, obviously. Well, let me let me tell you something, okay? When you get the uh, the Federal Election Commission 
voting in secret and splitting along part partisan lines, of course. And in this case, the, the right-left paradigm is really no longer. I mean, we know that. Maybe we should say along globalist lines. Um, y- well, they're, they're drawing the lines. Um, yes. There's, you know, uh, there was a publication in a foreign in the foreign relations magazine by an elitist saying it's time to right. go to war against no, yeah, the angry right. uh dumbed down populace <laughs> and, and here's here's the i guess here's why my heart is heavy. well, well I, let me back up and I'll, I'll just throw some personal information in here too where uh, it, it's interesting because um how I, how I was awakened this morning. Now, I don't set an alarm clock. I usually wake up at, at uh, well before dawn. Um, in the middle of the night, some people would would say, and and I'm up. But I was awakened by an explosion, the sound of an explosion outside of my home, and it shook the house. And I thought, wait a minute, you know, I, I was I thought, man, did you know <laughs> something hit our house or what? And uh, I, I happened to be sleeping in another room, and my wife had run out, and she said, "Hey, what was that?" And of course, um, my dad was chewing on the power lines. Yeah. Well, what would happen was this: it was a, it was a transformer that uh, an electronic or electric uh, transformer that that blew up just uh, not too far from us, and it, it took the power out. So the reason I mentioned that is. Um, it, that that's kind of the it set the mood, my mood for the day, and it was it was kind of a weird sensation to to hear this literally an explosion, and then and then uh, be in the dark. Well, it was in the dark basically, but be in the dark, and then uh, of course uh, seeing the glow of of of, of burning electrical uh, transformer not too far away. And um, that's kind of, I, I guess, not only did that set the mood, but to me that is kind of where we're at as a nation. For most people, and the reason I bring this up, because most people are going to be awakened in that fashion. There, there, there's going to be an explosion, metaphorically speaking, perhaps, or maybe not. And um, they're going to be in the dark and running out and wondering what, what the heck happened. This after us, uh, after our program and programs like ours attempting to educate the pop the, the public and the populace. But another thing that came across my desk today, and, and folks, I, I have I, I wrote an article about uh, TWA flight eight hundred specifically, kind of summarizing uh, or or making. Uh, talking about some high points of the in-studio interview with Jack Cashel last Tuesday, a week ago Tuesday. And the blowback I received, the blowback Canada Free Press received on this article, unprecedented. Absolutely unprecedented. And why it's so important, it's an indictment in the larger sense, it's it's more than the death of 230 people, although that's critically important. 
But the larger picture here, it's an indictment of Hillary, Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton. It's an indictment of the criminal cabal that exists within, inside the Beltway. It's an indictment against James Calstrom, the one-time head of the New York FBI office and now the talking pundit head on Fox News. It's an indictment on everyone who wants to snuff out the truth. Folks, the playbook for 800, Flight 800, is the same as Benghazi. I find it interesting, too, that the number of pages on the Benghazi report came in at 800, <laughs> five parts. And and we're going through that report line by line. But be- yeah, you've been working yeah. hard on that. Yeah. But 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 before but I, I, I here's the issue, folks. From what I saw from the blowback from the article, you see, Canada Free Press. The reason I, I direct people there, I mean, you can read it on HagmanReport.com and print it out from there and have it from there. But Canada Free Press, they allow comments. Well, (laughs) excuse me, whereas we don't because we don't have the staff or or the time to to police the comments. Or when I say police, make sure there's no... Yeah, there's there's no... I mean, anytime you have... You have the trolls, you have the Obama cyber warriors. And and, uh, trust me when I tell you that, you know, every second message will be a foul language troll, you know, robotic or, you know, hey, you make uh, $10,000 by, you know, whatever. But but, but it's a lot of work and we don't have the staff for that. So having said all of that, Canada Free Press allows that, and of course they've got they've got the ability to uh, uh, to 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 handle the comments and make sure there's there's no foul language used or whatever. Um, there were some there were some things comments made, and and we were well, there were comments made that are no longer there, and we know who made them. We know who made them, and when you trace them back. Well, when you trace them back, the deception, I'll just say this, the deception by the people who are in power, the deception by the people who are at the periphery and in the at the epicenter of that investigation and others like that, the people who you think, who you think are on the side of good, trying to expose the criminality of the elites. They're not. They are not. Sometimes the enemy inside the gate is worse than the enemy outside of the gate. But the reason I, I, again, the reason I bring this up is because this particular article, and this has nothing to do with me personally or professionally or whatever, except that it's, it has everything to do with the subject matter. It has everything to do with, with the, um, uh, with the exposure of this. And, and to those few couple of individuals 
who have sent me messages about this particular article, you wait until I talk about Vince Foster. You wait until the Benghazi situation. I, I talk about that as well. And go ahead, make your comments. But see, folks, it's a lie. It's a continuing course of criminal conduct. The other, the other thing that that is very close adheres to what I'm talking about as well. I truly believe, after a lot of research today, talking with Joe and doing a lot of things, we, as Americans, specifically conservative Christians today are facing a grave the most I mean the gravest danger in the history in modern history or targets and you might say well that's not news well you know targets of who Who, who's targeting us Uh, according to the you know the renegade in chief and the Secretary of State, you know, ISIS is on the run. Right. Well, I'm not, you know what? It's not ISIS I'm worried about. <laughs> it's the facilitators, the creators of ISIS, the, the globalists inside the beltway. Uh, yeah. And it's, you see, no one's been punished for Fast and Furious. No one's been punished for, um, well, everything from Chris Stevens. Yeah, everything from Kazi. I mean, Every act of lawlessness that we have experienced over the last couple of decades has been unpunished. The last time any official sanctions of any merit, of any meaning, was Watergate. And that didn't go as deep as it needed to go. But today, no punishment. There are people now that are, have, that have chosen sides. There are people in the alternative media, meaning the new media, the independent media, who have chosen sides and have sold out and have become enemies of the truth. That's right. And it's not just this generation of people who have sold their souls for fortune, for fame, for... Well, it is with regard to the independent media and the Internet. Well, with the new technology comes new ways to deceive, but we know that it is the same evil powers and principalities in the spiritual realm who are just using the people of today who are willing to sell their soul to continue Satan's agenda of bringing in the end times, you know, from from ancient Babylon to ancient Rome. We see the system of politics, the economy, and spirituality continue to be redefined, reoriented, reintroduced into a system of control, complete control, with the ultimate objective of your soul the loss of your soul and we are distracted from that main point when I say distracted I say in a sense of 
distracted by real problems. But how many of these problems are created in order to be a distraction? When you have your, when you're so busy looking, uh, whether it's at any one of these scandals that we see our political leaders involved in, from Benghazi to the ISIS and Arab Spring to the economic side of things, one thing that we never hear about in the news is the spiritual battle. Nor will you. Exactly. Nor will you hear about and, it. And that's the point. They want to so bogged down and so busy, so working so hard to, to keep what we have, working so hard to get a truth out about something that in the grand scheme of things plays a, a, a role but stays away from the main objective. And no, you won't hear about it. That's right. But it is startling. Um, it's a work that was started in the Plains of Shinar, as Dr. Lake has. That's right. Shinar director. And, and please, ladies and gentlemen, really seek understanding of what happened on the Plains of Shinar. Um, Dr. Michael Lake does, does really paint that, I mean, paint a great picture. Steve Quayle talks about it. Tom Horn talks about it. Chris Putnam talks about it. But you have to understand... The New World Order is merely the Old World Order 2.0. Right. The Old World Order, the first one world government, was a Babylonian system. The New World Order, in biblical terms, is a Babylonian system also. It's mystery Babylon. Right. Uh, I just want to also mention this. It's heavy on my heart, and and, and I've been talking... You, for an individual to come out of obscurity and retirement, a source of mine, and say, look, we need to talk and we need to talk now. And not to be not reckless, but to be un, somewhat uncaring about being identified because we all know that the telephones are Monitored conversations are monitored. Yeah, to Zbigniew Brzezinski's book about uh, autocracies, totalitarianism, and democracy, he talks about the only safe form of, and this book was written in, in the 50s and 60s, second edition, the only safe form of communication even back then was word of mouth. And, and that is what will happen yep. soon, shortly. Shortly, uh, I will be well, today. Taking a walk. Well, hang on a second, Joe. I'm going to be taking a walk with this source. And yeah. the standard operating procedure will be no electronic devices. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, you take your watch off, leave your phone. And, and there, there's also... Um, and it's still not guaranteed Yeah. that yeah. it will be private or not. Uh, that there, the ability to listen in... Uh, is there, you know, we don't know that what, what power these satellites have and these different weird towers that are going up all over towns and the, uh, really just the way things work in the universe, the, the electronic nature, the, the magnetic nature. Josh Tolley in the Hear the yeah, Watchman conference talked about technology where you can send whole shows, like three hour shows through a laser beam, a quick flash of light of information through uh, a laser beam you can send 
countless amounts of data. I'm sure there is just as many ways to acquire what would seem to be, uh, you know, private conversations the same way that they could, you know, spread that much information privately. Well, exactly. Now, I was given some information today um, in a manner that I'm not going to describe the manner, but I was given some information today. And uh, the information, I was, the very general, time was limited, time was short. Um, I was directed into some things, some areas that I had to, I have to look into before I have the secondary meeting. But my, my, uh, uh, what was said to me, I, I was urged to caution everyone out there that the headlines were, are going to change dramatically. You're going to see some things happen if the globalist players have their way. You're going to see the headlines, the political headlines, specifically, be a lot different in a few months. It could be as soon as a few weeks than they are today. Now, you've got to read between the lines. You've got to read between the lines what I'm telling you. And that is going to start civil unrest like you've never experienced it in this country. That civil unrest will require each and every person who feels the need to, to obtain and lawfully carry a, a weapon. And, and I'm, I'm being very serious about this because there is a danger out there that is looming right before us. Hang on. Stand by. All right. Sorry about that. I had to... We're uh, bringing on Chance from American Sorbo Wholesale, and we are still trying to get a hold of him. So yeah, when we do, we anyway, will. Um, please understand what I'm saying to you. Um, things are going to be extremely volatile. There's some weird things going on. Some things that people need to keep their eye on. We see the Brexit seems to, at least from the elite perspective, be a a nail in, in their in their foot, attack in their shoe, a stone so, in their so shoe. So they yeah. say, and, and 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 so they act like. Actually, Obama um, unloaded on on Trump today, and the uh, Brexit mentality during a press conference about the North American Union, by the way, or the the North American Leader Summit, as they call it, right. Dealing with Canada, Mexico, and the United States, uh, Obama implied that Trump is not really a populist and is instead exploiting people for his own gain. And he went on to say that um, he's a xeno, xenopho- uses xenophobic, xenophobic statements. Yep. He is um, never fought on behalf of ju- social justice, and he will continue. Uh, to destroy and unravel what Obama has worked so hard to build and also accuse them of working against economic opportunity for workers and ordinary peoples through his uh, 
constant uh, tearing down of the trade deals that we have from NAFTA and GATT and the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And this but, is very important. will they, Joe, will they? If Even if Trump wins, if he... And, and again, I'm going to be very careful with my words. If Donald Trump is the nominee, because he's not the nominee yet, and if he is sworn in as president, notice, notice how I'm saying this, and if he assumes the office of the president, this is Donald Trump, a lot of ifs there, does he have the power... And will he have the ability to curtail NAFTA, GATT, WTO, TPP, TPIP? Does he have that power? That's my question. Can it be done? Or will there be political warfare? Or even, I suppose, class warfare would be more appropriate, manifesting itself in the political sense. You you see, these people on the radio that talk about the election, that talk about things. And you know what, folks? I, 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 God bless them, but I, I just, we've got to go much deeper. And yes, it's a spiritual matter. Yes, God is in control. No one should be subjugated by fear. No one. No one at all. Because we are protected through the blood of our Lord and Savior. However, in the real, in the physical, is what I'm talking about here. Although we have that protection, divine protection, we also live in the the physical, exist in the physical. So while we should have no fear, that doesn't mean we should take a position of naivete. Please understand that. All right. You know what? We've got, um, we're going we're gonna, to uh, change gears here for just a few minutes here while we bring on Chance from American Survival Wholesale. And he is a routine, frequent guest to talk about preparations. Now, very quickly, if you go to americansurvivalwholesale.com, that's americansurvivalwholesale.com, folks, check out the Independence Day special because ladies and gentlemen our family, I'm urging every member of our family to take advantage of this special it's a one month food supply 2016 annual Independence Day one month food supply we need to be prepared in the physical Chance, come on board Blessings, Doug and Joe how are you guys? Uh, we're doing well, thank you, sir. What's on your heart? Uh, well, I tell you, I, you know, tonight we're not going to talk about preparations. Uh, I've been led to share my testimony tonight, and I truly believe, guys, that there is someone out there that will benefit from this. And so, if I can, I would like to do that tonight, and then we will get into the Independence Day special, but first... I'd like to uh, read a prayer that I wrote yesterday, and 
I have to tell you, I think it was penned mostly by the Holy Spirit because I do not remember writing the second half of this prayer. So if you all would, please bow your heads and pray with me. Almighty Father, we come to you tonight together as your remnant to give you thanks for the many blessings you have bestowed upon us. Father, we ask that all who are listening tonight or later on be given the discernment to understand and act upon the current and future issues that will govern our actions as Christians. Father, we are so undeserving of the ultimate sacrifice you have made by sending your Son to die for us. But we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve you and your kingdom. Please, Father, give us the courage to stand up for you, to stand up for our rights, to stand up against tyranny, to right the wrongs, to empower others with your word and our actions, to take responsibility for our own sins and be humbled to get down on our knees and repent. Lord, I thank you for our brothers Doug and Joe Hagman, please give their ministry the strength and fortitude to further your kingdom through their works and this broadcast. And these things we pray in your holy name. Amen. 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 Gentlemen, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you guys a story. Some of our listeners who we have been working with for many years know part of this uh, testimony and some don't. But I'm going to start at the beginning. When I was a very young man, I was raised a Catholic and was actually an altar boy. For many years, even then, at 9, 10, 11 years old, something in my spirit told me that it was wrong, that what the church was teaching us, our belief systems and their laws were wrong. A few things in particular bothered me to the point where I couldn't get the answers to the questions that I needed. And so uh, the first one was, why do I have to go into a confessional to confess my sins to a man so that he can go to God for me and ask for forgiveness. That did not make sense to me. Why in our Catholic school were we on our knees every morning praying to the Virgin Mary? That didn't make sense to me. One day after services, I was putting things away and a bishop had shown up to one of the services and started berating the priest stating you did not follow the sermon that we gave you you are not supposed to talk about what you want to talk about you need to teach on what we are told what you are told to teach see gentlemen that's how you know many Christians that's why they go away. That's why they leave the Lord. That's why they put their belief system behind them and they take another path. Now we're going to fast forward. I was 15 years old. 
And at that time, I believed that I knew everything, that my parents were absolute fools, that they were stupid. And I decided that I could do better on my own. So I moved out of my house when I was 15 years old, still going to high school, working a job on the side. And I remember this day like it was yesterday. One of the guys from school came by and said, hey, listen, we're going down to the plaza. It's a place where all the teenagers hung out. Um, you want to come? And I said, sure. So we all piled into this guy's car, and we headed down there, and we went to um, a local McDonald's. I was standing in line waiting to order, and I heard to the right of me a whole bunch of laughter. So the curiosity got the best of me, and I kind of leaned over to hear what they were laughing about, and I couldn't hear, so I took a side step. And apparently, one of the people sitting at this table noticed that I was doing that. And he said, son, come here. And I looked around, and there's kids my age sitting around this table, and they've got a bunch of books open, and uh, there's this older man with a, a platter of cheeseburgers in front of him. And he said, are you hungry, son? And I said, yes, but, you know, I'm getting ready to order some food right now. And uh, he says, well, why don't you sit down here I've got enough for you and everybody else. And I said, no, no, no. I've got uh, my buddies outside, and they're waiting for me. And he's put, he stood up, guys, and he put his hand on my right shoulder. And he said, son, I can't understand this, and you probably won't believe this, but I'm telling you this right now. If you get into that car tonight, you will not be here tomorrow. Chills ran up and down my spine, and I just knew in my spirit that he was right. So I sat down, and they were actually studying Job. And one of the guys came in and said, Chance, are you ready to go? And I said, no, no, I'm going to stay here. Well, they called me all the names that you would expect. But I stayed. At the end of the night, guys, something had changed in my spirit. I felt like there was a belonging, but I didn't understand yet what it was about. I knew that there was a fellowship there that I hadn't experienced in, in my entire life. So I went home and got awoken in the morning by uh, my dad, who had come over to the place that I was staying. So he goes, Chance, uh, we've got police outside, and uh, there's a bit of a problem. You need to come with me. So I go over to the house, and they uh, basically explained to me that the car that I was in that night had flipped four times. Everyone in the car was dead except for one person who was in critical condition. But he was able to uh, let you know the medical staff know you know who was in the car. My name was mentioned. Everyone was dead, including the person that was in what we call shotgun, right of the driver. That's where I was sitting. That experience changed me. And I started going to the same church that this youth group uh, was going to, and I was saved. I was saved at 15 years old. I knew then that the Lord had a purpose 
for my life. However, I didn't know what it was, not until much later. We're going to fast forward. Uh, I joined the Navy. Oh, I'm sorry. First, I was an Eagle Scout for a while. I was a Boy Scout. I was an Eagle Scout for a while. Then I, I joined the Navy, and uh, I was uh, a SAR, search and rescue. Went to survival school and learned a lot of the um, uh, survival techniques that we talk about on a regular basis. After spending years in the Navy, I also figured out very quickly that this is not where I want to hang my hat. This is not something that I want to do for the rest of my life and make a career of it because there was just too much fraud, abuse, and waste. So I left the Navy, uh, did some reserve time, and got into some high-end security work, bodyguard work, and that type of thing. Now we're going to fast forward uh, many years later. I'm operating a uh, another company at the time, and uh, I was in the gym in California working out. And Joe, you know this story. And I was on a machine called the leg press. Around me were many other people making loud noises, clanking weights, but all of a sudden the sound just stopped. And any time in my life up to that point, I knew that the Lord was about to speak. And here are the words that he spoke. You will prepare my children for things to come. What seemed like an hour was actually only probably about 15 seconds. I was so shooken that I left the gym, I went home, and I got on my knees, and I said, Lord, I don't understand. What is it that you want from me? Just like that. What is it that you want from me? That night, guys, every knot that I learned to tie in the Navy, every basket that I weaved in Boy Scout camp, every weapon that I fired as a, as a security consultant, everything came back to me in that one night, and I got it. I just knew. You will prepare my children for things to come. I immediately started purchasing survival equipment, put together my first bug out bag. The whole time I'd been listening to Hagman and Hagman, and I reached out to Doug one day and I said listen Doug I've been listening to you for a long time the Lord has led me to start this company uh, I've just uh, built the website we're not quite finished yet but I would be uh, proud to be a sponsor of your show this is the crazy thing and this is where God really has taken control of this company and it is, it is his company this is the Lord's company that night Doug goes on the air and he says by the way, folks, I want to talk about our new sponsor, AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. They have stun guns. They have, guys, the e-commerce side of our website was not even finished. Now, this is years and years ago. was not even finished. I had people emailing me, placing orders. This was, in my, my words, a God thing. And, and I tell you, since then, the Lord, the Lord has just taken over this company, the uh, Bible Drive, this is what this was all about. The Bible Drive, we've sent out over a thousand Bibles to countries like Turkey, where it's practically impossible to get a Bible into. Uh, the Veterans Outreach Program, this is all of the Lord. This was for His purpose. And I just 
even to today, we just want to be his faithful servants. So a lot of folks don't know this story, and, and I hope that uh, that it has enlightened some. And and uh, yeah, that's it. So what do you think, guys? Boy, <laughs> Re, you know, reliving that, uh, and I remember that uh, chance. I remember that time period. I remember speaking with you, and I, I remember that whole um, the, the whole feeling in my spirit. I got and, and knowing time is short knowing that we have to uh prepare the the you know the, our listeners and prepare people that we care about and love and prepare ourselves as well for what's to come um it it, it just it, it indeed the entire event was a god thing I, I i don't know how else to describe it and and your your uh, testimony that that you have graciously given wow <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and that goes back to what I say, Chance, that everyone is here today, alive today, living today for a specific purpose. They've got a a mission. You've got a mission that you're fulfilling. And and I believe God will, will smile upon us and shine upon those who are obedient and listening. And, uh, well, we're well, I'm you, certainly and Doug, I, I can't, you know, and I can't take any credit at all. You know, it's the Lord and and my wonderful wife who's been here through it all, you know. Um, I was married very young, right out of the service, and uh, stayed in a in a bad marriage for 12 years uh, due to my Catholic upbringing. And uh, after the divorce, you know, I, I, I got to admit, guys, I really was not looking to get into another relationship for, for quite a while, but I got to a point where I said, you know, I'm going to give this another shot, but this time I'm going to do it the right way. And I went to the Lord and I said, God, I only have one request for my wife, that she loves the Lord more than she loves me because I did not have that in my first marriage. We didn't have that to share I was in Hawaii working down there, and uh, Doug, you've met my wife, Meryl. I was in Hawaii working down there, and I get a phone call from a sweet, sweet little voice. And she's uh, calling my workplace, and she wants to pick up some uh, some tiles and granite or something. And uh, so I give her directions, and she shows up in this white outfit. Now, maybe it was just me. Maybe uh, this is just the way I remember it, but I looked at her, and I'm telling you, I think that there was an angel walking through that door because the, there was an aura around this beautiful, beautiful woman. It took everything that I had to remain professional. I took her out in the warehouse. I was showing her around, and she had her friend Chris with her. Chris was watching me. I didn't know this, and every chance I got I was just looking her up and down like wow this this woman is beautiful and uh, so Chris uh, invites me out the very next night uh, to uh, go dancing and uh, with uh, with Meryl so we danced in the sand for hours and hours and hours and the funny thing is Meryl after we sat down she asked her friend right in front of me is Chance here to close a deal? 
Now, guys, I've been working with developers. I don't really work with residential, right? So we work on big projects. And so I answer the question for it, and I'm here to close the deal. I just, I'm enamored by you. You know, to this day, guys, we have never been apart. To this day. See, God provides. The Lord provides. And he provided that angel for me. And and that's the way it happens. You know, God makes makes way for us and he makes better friends and spouses than we can for ourselves. Huh. Amen. Wow. Amen. What a great story. What a great account. All right. Well, listen, I know we don't uh, have a, a lot more time, Doug, but I do want to talk about this Independence Day special. Um, the folks that were around last year remember that this is probably the biggest food special, the most savings you're going to experience for the entire year. It's important to us on Independence Day to remember those in our past that have served and died for our freedom. So what we put together, me and the boys, put together a very generous one-month food packet, 380 servings of freeze-dried food with a 20-year shelf life, 380 servings. We are going to uh, also send a uh, Hagman and Hagman uh, coffee mug projectile free charge with every order. <laughs> and um, we're going to offer this. This is, again, while supplies last for $180, guys. 380 servings of food for $180. Listen to what's inside. You ready for this? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. Cheddar cheese and green chili grits. Brown sugar and cinnamon oatmeal. Oh, Creamy mashed potatoes, southern style. Cheddar potatoes, mixed vegetables, peas, carrots, everything. Rice orzo pilaf. Hearty potato soup. That's delicious, by the way. Tagliatelle pasta. An all-natural granola that is amazing. Italian tomato pasta. Chocolate pudding. Western-style chili, my absolute favorite. Just add a little bit of cayenne pepper. is delicious. Veggie Alfredo, an orange drink mix, and uh, freeze-dried fruit. Uh, so this is all comes out to be about 380 servings with the free Hagman & Hagman coffee mug for $180 while supplies last. Guys, I would suggest anybody listening, if you have been waiting for the right deal, go to American Survival Hotel tonight. Go to the top right-hand corner of my website, type in 2016. It will come up. You will see fireworks. You know that you're there. And, Chance, I, I, don't, I really don't think, and, and, folks, I don't think this is going to last much beyond this weekend. Um, so, so so do it. Uh, you, you know, again, let's be responsible. Let's be prepared. And this is the time to do it. Uh, 180 bucks. I mean, heck for 380 servings yeah that's a that's a great deal and 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 we need to do this um that that i think is probably your your most generous offer not that previous offers more generous but this definitely uh well we're we're pleased we're we're so pleased to offer i gotta tell you i have a bit of a Backache today. I just um, we've already offloaded several trucks. So, <laughs> well, by, by the way, guys. does this come in a bucket? Uh, uh, is it in, in a bucket? And are they mylar mylar bags? 
They're, they're mylar they are, bags. Right? They are mylar bags, most of which are actually resealable. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do come packaged in just a standard parcel, standard box. Okay. Uh, so they won't remove it. No box, but in a standard box. And then um, most of these packages are resealable. Once you open the product, if you'd like to try that Western chili, I would highly suggest it. Uh, go ahead and seal it back up. Uh, once the Mylar bag is open, though, you have about six months to use the balance of the product and the bag. Okay. All right. But in totality, I mean, unopened 20 years shelf life, 20 years. Correct. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, Chance, thank you so much, man. And, and, and thank you, you for your, your testimony, and thank you for... For offer make, making this special, this offer special uh, offer to everyone. Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you for having me on and listening. Thank you for allowing me to share my testimony. It means a lot. God bless you guys. God bless you, folks. That was Chance from American Survival Wholesale. AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. Taking a little different uh, turn approach tack tonight, talking not about preparation but about. Testimony. His testimony, and it's uh, inspirational. Testimony. Yeah, yeah. Have you, folks? Have you had that? Ever had that happen to you, where you were either perhaps overwhelming feeling, I, I, I can't get in that car, or were told by someone not, not, not to go because something bad would happen you you may not come back or you wouldn't come back have you had that ever happen to you i i would say this listen to the little hairs on the back of your neck listen to that voice inside absolutely yeah folks after uh the break we are going to be joined by flip benham he is a very well-known pastor Recently, uh, you know, sometime in the last few weeks, there was a meeting of evangelical Christian leaders as well as other, uh, members of, uh, the Christian media with, with Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah. And Mr. Venom was in attendance. Rick Wiles was there uh, as well as other people. What was said in that meeting? What was said by Donald Trump in that meeting? You're going to find out. Especially those Christians who want to know what Trump is saying his policies will be in regards to abortion, in regards to the Bible, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. And Trump's own Christianity. Because Flip has the information as he was there. We'll be right back. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some
some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, to hour number two of this Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. On Wednesdays, when we don't have guests, we do open phone line Wednesdays. But in this case, and this week, we do have a guest. It is Pastor Flip Benham. Uh, he's coming on to talk to us about the uh, Donald Trump Christian meeting he was a part of or attended, <clears throat> as did Rick Wiles. Uh, and give us some insight as to what Christians should expect and what Flip took away from the meeting and event. Before we get to Flip, I just want to uh, take this moment to uh, urge people to take advantage of the special that Ted Brewer of HealthMasters.com has on his website, promo code DUG5. And Dad, you want to chime in and give the specific details on yeah, the uh, book breakthrough health folks, given? Yeah, look, five percent off of all merchandise, all orders ordered between now and midnight tomorrow night. Five percent off. Take advantage of this. Check your supplies, your nutritional supplements, um, and at checkout, at checkout, use Doug D O U G five four five percent off. It's a great deal, and I. I once more, I, I have to say, I'm not sure how long or when we'll see another initiative, another uh, sale like like this. Uh, so, healthmasters.com, Doug5 at as the promo code at the checkout to get your 5% off. That's a coupon code, D-O-U-G-5, 5% off. It's a great deal, and it expires tomorrow night, so please go there today. And, and also... Sign up for their newsletter. Yeah. Now, you, you've all heard, and you, you've all perhaps wondered, well, what was spoken by Donald Trump at that meeting of evangelical pastors, Christian pastors? Flip Benham was there. He was there. So our Along next guest... sons, yeah. Yeah. So our next guest, or our guest right now, is going to tell us what was said and what he took away. From that meeting, what well, Benham? Welcome to the Hagman Hagman Report. Great to be with you, Doug and Joe, and thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to be with you this evening. And I, I imagine you want to know what happened at that meeting on June 21st. It was a Tuesday in New York City. We were right at the Marriott Marquis Hotel, right in the center of Times Square. We could look out the window of our hotel and look at the Radio City you know, sign and all of the incredible things that are going on there in Times Square. And there were incredible things going on in Times Square. There were naked ladies all over the place, you know, dressed up. And, well, what, what, I don't know if they were dressed up. They were painted 
with the American flag and, and, and people were coming into Times Square and, and getting their pictures taken with the <clears throat> with the naked, pretty much the naked ladies. They had one part on and that was it. And uh, and then we had a yoga thing that was going on and there were about um, probably two or three hundred people up there involved, not not just in yoga exercise, but in yoga worship. I, I, it was it was incredible to me. I, and you just see the debauchery that is going on in Times Square. And here we are, uh, almost a thousand uh, Christian evangelical leaders to meet with Tom uh, with Donald Trump. And and the and the and the title of the thing was a conversation with. Donald Trump. And so I saw all of these leaders. I saw people that I admired from afar for a long, long time and, and had such an opportunity to meet so many of them and, and then make up and, and hit with some old friends, too. So it was a it was a very special day. I, and uh, and we were all of us uh, looking forward to hearing exactly what Donald Trump had to say to us as evangelical leaders. And uh, the man that put this whole thing together was Joe Dallas. And he, along with the FRC um, and uh, yeah, Tony Perkins and Dr. Ben Carson, got together to try and arrange this meeting so that there could be a conversation with Donald Trump. Now, there were about a thousand of us there, and it was a, it was a small room, and it had a balcony, and, um, and uh, the first one out... Uh, to talk to us after Joe Dallas had given us some instructions was George Barna. And, and there's just a statistic that he brought up that so amazed me, it just took me aback. Uh, Joe and Doug, he said, do you know that 94% of the pastors in America believe that they are serving in a successful ministry? They believe that they're serving in a successful ministry. And I, I thought, well, how, how is that? And he said, well, um, it, here, here are the criteria that they use. One, that we have a, a good and functioning church plant, a, a, a good campus. We have people in the pews that are filling the pews. We have tithes that are coming in. And we have uh, programs for our children and programs to help the poor, the needy, and to send missionaries overseas. And therefore, we are successful. 94% of the pastors in the United States of America believe, when they're asked about their ministries, if they're successful, the answer is yes. And, and I, I wonder to myself, if that is so, then what about the fact that little baby boys and girls are being ripped to shed, shreds just down the street from your local church? Have you found some sort of awkward peace between you and the devil? That if, if you leave the devil alone, he'll leave you alone? Is that what you have done? Or how is it that now men are beginning to be able to go into ladies' bathrooms if they just want to express themselves or identify as female. Whether or not they've had any surgery, they can just, at any time that they feel like it, they can go into any restroom they want to. I mean, did you look at the pastors? Did you just look at Times Square as we were coming in and we saw this debauchery right in the streets of New York City wide out and open? I mean, proud and out loud. Uh, where the gospel of Christ is being shoved off the streets and into closets, little safe church places, while the, the enemy is out of the closet and about doing all sorts of evil. I, I mean, how is it that 94% of the pastors feel as though they are successful? And you've got the four criteria that I just gave you. That was stunning. Now, Barna 
I believe God placed him up there at first so that we could hear from him and just see how sorry we are. And then he gave a whole list of other statistics of how far we have fallen and how we have cast God behind our back. I thought that was great. Then we had Franklin Graham come up, and he spoke to us. And uh, and then he prayed a prayer with us. And then we had Jerry Falwell Jr. come up, and he spoke to us. And, and it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And then we finally had an opportunity to hear from Dr. Carson, Dr. Carson explaining why this meeting was important so that evangelical leaders could ask Mr. Trump questions. The, the problem was there were a thousand of us, and they were, and of these pastors, 1,000 pastors, they had 50,000 questions. So what they did is they picked out certain individuals to ask uh, Mr. Trump the questions. And, and the first man, you know, to get asked, tapped on the shoulder, probably appropriately, appropriately was uh, Dr. James Dobson. He's a, a great hero of mine. I can remember him standing true, especially with those of us in Operation Rescue. When we were out there getting arrested in front of abortion mills for lying down in front of abortion mills and being hauled off and arrested, he stood with us and he said, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what we were doing. We're saying that the if it if it's inevitable that little baby boys and girls are going to die at this place, it is imperative that they do not die alone. And so we just died our freedom, and uh, they would haul us off. And, and Dr. Dobson stuck with us. Now, a, a lot of other pastors just said, oh, this isn't the way that you should go about doing this. And and uh, but But Dr. Dobson was always faithful. So when he asked the question, I became very aware that, it was sort of a roundabout seesaw question, and I, I began to realize that that he's getting a little older now. And I and I just, uh, but I did get an opportunity to shake his hand. And I mean, tears just flooded into my eyes, remembering, you know, his faithfulness all through these years, and understanding now in these these waning years that other things, uh, you know, may be going on with he and his wife Shirley. Um, I saw she was on a walker, so it was just, uh, but it was a great time for to see him. He probably isn't the guy that I would have asked a question, uh, but then the next person that stood up was David Jeremiah um, out of San Diego, and uh, and he asked a very pointed question to Mr. Trump, and then there was Tony Perkins, and um, and then James Robertson came up, and, and he prayed for us, but the highlight of the meeting and the reason we were all there was to meet Mr. Trump, and that happened at about 10.30 in the morning, and he said... Donald Trump said, this is the most important meeting that I could be at, and I am at your service. And uh, and so for just a little under two hours, he stayed with us. Mike Huckabee was the one that was uh, in the conference sort of, uh, you know, directing the conversation. So it was uh, Mr. Trump sitting here, Mr. Huckabee, uh, you know, sitting across from him. There was no table in between, just just both had microphones. And uh, and these men stand up, stood up and asked questions. There are a lot of people that were really upset that we did not hit the ball out of the park, um, uh, you know, and, and stand up and say, Donald Trump, where do you stand on life? Are you going to are you going to do everything to defund Planned Parenthood? Are you going to be a voice for these voiceless children? Are you going to use an executive order? Those are kinds of questions that we would ask. And are you going to declare 
um, that children are children from from conception forward and until death, you know, in our old age. But we, but human beings are persons. They are all of us, all of them created in the image of God and therefore worthy of life by law and protected by the Constitution of the United States of America and through the constitutions of a number of states in our country. And yet the Supreme Court has just illegally declared that abortion is legal. That's illegal. Abortion will always be a crime before heaven. There's no way that you can make it legal. There's no way that you can make abortion good any more than you can make adultery good. You can't make it good. It is sin. And sin can only be repented of and forgiven. That's it. No other way. And Jesus is the only answer for that. I, all right. So I'm, I'm just answering some questions of guys that would be very upset right now that there weren't pointed questions asked at Mr. Trump. We uh, were there, and, and there were certain people that were picked out to ask the questions. So they did, and, uh, and, and we listened. And uh, one of the things that I thought was very interesting with Mr. Trump is um, what he said up at the very beginning. He said, you know, I, I'm, I'm standing for some things. I, I am promising you that we are going to appoint only pro-life judges. That's what he said. We're going to appoint only pro-life judges. I am trying to build a wall to protect our nation. We aren't a nation anymore. We have to have walls, and and we are need to deal with immigration. And he began, and, and I'm standing on these issues. I'm standing as as best I can, and and being attacked on all sides. But I'm doing the very best I can, and I'm wondering. And he looked out at us and he said, "Where are you?" Where are you? I, I don't hear you. Uh, are you standing on these issues too? I'm doing my best. Are you standing on these issues? And, and that was a really good question because a lot of us came there hoping that Donald Trump would repent, would just repent of a lot of things. Number one, that he would realize that he's a sinner. Well, look, a lot of people have been praying for Donald Trump to meet Jesus. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but what I do know now, as far as I know, and what I know of him, and what I have seen of him, he's not a born-again Christian. He is not. Now, he's a he's a fine guy. He wants to do all sorts of good things, and he desires to do good things, and he realizes that, hey, you know what? I own a cattle on a lot of hills, and I can stand, and, and, and I can speak forthrightly. And of course, he can because he owns a cattle on a couple of hills but you know what we as evangelical leaders we our heavenly father owns a cattle on a thousand hills he owns it all the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof and he even owns the cattle on trump's hills <laughs> they belong to god they don't belong to trump he just trump doesn't know that yet he doesn't have eyes that see nor ears that hear what the spirit is saying he does not but he does see some things he sees our nation going down the chute and the question is where are the evangelical leaders you see we wanted donald trump to repent but do you know who what god wanted to happen in that meeting he wanted us the evangelical leaders to repent because we have donald trump because we pastors haven't been doing what we should have been doing a long time ago and that is allowing the light of christ to shine to pay the price to pick up the cross to rightly represent his heart in this nation and when the enemy comes in like a flood god is going to raise up a standard of prophets to come 
against him. But we aren't coming against him. As a matter of fact, we are getting cloistered into our little churches, which brings us back to the 94% mark there of George Barna saying that 94% of the pastors in America feel as though their ministries are successful because we've got church buildings that are being built, lots of them being paid for. We've got people in the pews. Uh, we've got we've got our programs, and we've got people that are giving tithes, and that's what makes a success, and there we are. You see, we've got the wrong criteria, because our nation is going to hell in a handbasket, and our pastors are not successful. As a matter of fact, we are the ones that need to repent, and Donald Trump, I began to realize, is the donkey, the jawbone of an ass that God is using to wail on evangelical leaders, men who claim the name of God and yet have been so timid in presenting the true gospel of Christ and applying it to every facet of our life. That would be in education, that would be in politics, that would be in the arts. Jesus is the Lord of all. And he desires us to allow the theology of heaven to become biography right on the earth, and that's what we are called to do, to speak what God has spoken, to allow the word of God to become flesh so that people are not in confusion. I mean, I'm living in the city of Charlotte, and I'm living with a city council that is throwing our the Charlotte-Mecklenburg school system into utter confusion about what they're going to do in the bathrooms of our public schools. I mean, when you begin to tell boys and girls that, you know, you, you may be or you may not be this or that, I'm, I'm going to tell you, when you're when kids are growing up and going through their teen years and they're, 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 they're troubled, they're different, they're feeling things that are different, they're trying to, is there any truth that can, any anchor that can get them through? And the answer is there is, but it isn't found in the education system of our nation anymore because we have long ago expelled God from school. We have banished him from the schoolyard, and he has been replaced with metal detectors, condoms, drugs, and violence of unprecedented order. Our problem is us, and that's what I began to realize in that meeting, is that it isn't Trump. Trump is God's man. He is God's man to smash us, number one, to break up the Republican you know, uh, elites that have been treacherously treasonous against the gospel of Christ and against our trust in them. When we voted them to stand strong against Obamacare, when we voted them to stand strong against so opposed to so many things and they just folded they have just shut up they are so obse they're obsequious little sheep that do nothing but why should we expect them to be any braver or stronger than our church pastors who feel like 94% of them that they have been successful in their ministry. Here's our problem. We don't have eyes that see what God is saying. We don't have ears that hear what he is speaking. We do not have hearts that understand what he is doing. And that is where we need to be men like Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. I look at Donald Trump and I know that he is God's instrument to break up the, the 
shallow and hard hearts of a lot of us religious leaders who have been way too timid in representing our great God, whose name specifically and most perfectly revealed is Jesus Christ. And so we have a guy by the name of Trump who is out there speaking strongly. Nobody else speaks like him. None of these pundits can understand him, and conservatives hate him. And and I've got to tell you the truth. Conservatives aren't going to fix us, and neither is Donald Trump, in case you don't know that. God is fixing to get us into a fix that we can't fix so that he can fix us. And we're getting into that fix, but we aren't there yet. Do you know why? Because 94% of the pastors feel and believe that their ministry is successful. And God is saying, you have no idea. You just look around and you see the blood coursing down the quarters of our schools, our streets, our workplaces, and you look at each other with awkward amazement and say, what's going on? You look at the streets in Chicago and you see the people, the blood just flowing through the streets. I mean, life is almost worthless. You go to New York, you go to Baltimore, you see the same thing. You see divisions among men, you see everything is being turned upside down in our nation, and yet 94% of the pastors feel like they have successful ministries. I'm going to just take you into a little verse, if I may, Joe and Doug. In um, in Second Chronicles, we're reading through the Bible sure. this year, and we do every year. I have been for a long, long time. And uh, and we are in Second Chronicles chapter 15, and I'm going to introduce you to a guy by the name of Asa, who started out very well, who was a good king, uh, and, and then he ended up, unfortunately, very badly, which, you know, several of the kings did. They'd start out well, uh, and then they'd end up badly. Uh, that's what happens when you get older. You, 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 begin to, you begin to get softer. You begin to lose the edge. And what, and what God wants us to do is regain that edge. To regain that edge so that we will be sharp and clear and concise and that we will bring light uh, into this world that, you know, everything right now is turning a strange shade of gray. Everything is in flux. And what God desires us to do is shine that light and so that people can see what's going on. They can see the colors. They can see the the truth but don't don't let darkness and darkness will not overcome the light our problem is not that darkness is so strong our problem is that the light has just decided to cover itself up and pull out of almost every facet of our life outside of the church of Jesus Christ so in in second chronicles chapter 15 do we pick up in, in this little verse and uh, well, let me let me start up right at the beginning. It says the spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa. This is King Asa, good king, and he said to him, "Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him," He will forsake you. And for a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. Look, for a long time before Asa, there was no priest that was standing for God. There was no law. They, they weren't even listening to the law, and they weren't honoring God. And he said, for a long time, you were without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. But in your distress, in their distress, excuse me, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. Look at verse 5, and this is the one I want you to just 
focus in on. In those days, it was not safe to travel about. For all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, and one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. I want you to just see that. Our problem is not going to be solved by conservatives, Republicans, Democrats, or anybody else for that matter. It's not going to be solved by packing the Supreme Court. So stop worrying about the Supreme Court. It's not going to be solved um, by who we get into Congress or if the Republicans win the Congress, lose the Congress, lose the Senate, win the Senate. None of that. And conservatism is not real salt. It is pretend salt. If your hope is in conservatism, just listen to Rush Limbaugh. And he's probably the the wisest, most creative conservative that I've ever heard. I wish that he knew the Lord of his brother, David Limbaugh. David Limbaugh knows Jesus. He proclaims Christ. He knows that Jesus is the same Savior of the world. Rush isn't quite there yet. He's more conservative. And maybe maybe he is a born-again Christian, but he doesn't say it because he'd probably lose half of his audience. That would be about 10 million people. Well, one thing we've got to know is you can't rely on conservatives. And if we haven't figured that out yet, we're nuts. We're, our eyes are just wide shut. I mean, God wants us to know that, that conservatism is not your answer. You know what the answer is? Christianity, the real stuff, the real deal, returning to Almighty God, inviting him back in to our land. And that's where we were as we were these evangelical leaders listening to Donald Trump, you know, and we were just sort of weighing every word that he said. And, and there are a lot of people out there writing blogs and, and, and doing little emails and strains of emails saying, well, he's this and he's that. And if you're a real Christian, you could never vote for Trump. Let me just tell you something. God is using Donald Trump just um, just like he's using Barack Obama to drain us of every penny of our wealth. And you can see it. It's crazy. And to open up our borders so all sorts of diseases, all sorts of things are coming in to our nation. It's just the walls are broken down. And the city is utterly defenseless. And 94% of the pastors feel like they have successful ministries in the United States of America. I think we aren't seeing as God would have us see. We have eyes we don't see. We have ears that don't hear. <coughs> we have hearts with no understanding. So when we see this, there was great turmoil in the land in Second Chronicles chapter 15. Um, and, and because God was troubling them with every distress. Who was troubling them? God was. Now, if God is your problem, you've got a mighty big problem. Let me give you another verse. Zechariah 8.10. Listen to this. Before that time, there were no wages for man or beast. No one could go about his business safely because of his enemy. For I, this is God, for I had turned every man against his neighbor. You just look at the cities. Right? This is God turning every man against his neighbor. This is God. You can't walk down certain streets in the city without being in grave danger. This is God that is doing this. If you're looking for Republicans to fix this, you're looking in the wrong direction. If you're looking for conservatives to fix this, you're looking in the wrong direction. And here's the thing. Donald Trump thinks he can fix it. <laughs> he can't. He can't. He can't make America great again until he knows who made America great in the first place. And right now, God is using Donald Trump to break up the treasonous 
treacherous Republican Party and the elite, the establishment. He is busting them up, but it, the job isn't finished. He is using Trump. You ought to praise Lord. Praise the Lord for how he's using him. You say, well, God would never use an evil man like that. Well, why don't you just look in the mirror? God would never use an evil man like that. He used Nebuchadnezzar, and let me tell you, Nebuchadnezzar was not a friendly guy. As a matter of fact, he killed all of Zedekiah's sons right in front of his face, and then he poked out Zedekiah, uh, Zedekiah's eyes so that the last thing he saw was the death of his sons. Nebuchadnezzar was not a pleasant guy. Nebuchadnezzar, oh, he'd acknowledge the Lord, and then he'd go right back with it in his proud heart uh, to who he was. How about Cyrus, the king who never acknowledged the Lord and yet was used by God to bring Israel um, and, and provide for Israel a way back into Jerusalem to rebuild the Lord's temple there in Jerusalem? This was a man that never acknowledged God. You see, you've got to kick open your box uh, that God is a whole lot bigger than you and I think that he is. And he can use whatever he wants to. He can use the jawbone of an ass if he wants to. And he is. And by the way, he does it with regularity on Sunday mornings in churches across this nation. God uses what he wants to use. And, 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 every, and, night, he, and every night from 7 to 10, by the way. <laughs> we're all there. You know, I just so you guys are just absolutely honest and just you guys are terrific i love you guys let me let me, let me just keep going i'm going to run through about three more verses i'm going to uh, get it back to you in um jeremiah 21 verse 5 god says this i myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and a mighty arm and anger and fury and wrath that is god fighting against his own people. I'm going to send you, and Jeremiah, uh, I'm going to send you into Babylon for 70 years. It's going to be me that's bringing you there, so don't start blaming everybody else or trying to figure it out. It's me, Almighty God, I'm bringing you there, because I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but plans to prosper you, but you're going to be 70 years in Babylon. You understand? There are some things that I am not going to forgive, and one of those things was that Manasseh shed so much innocent blood that God was not willing to forgive. In other words, there was no way that the consequences of what Manasseh had done, even though Manasseh was forgiven by God, um, he was not going to save that nation. That nation was going to be taken away into Babylon for 70 years. Listen to this, Jeremiah 30, verses 12 and 14. It says this to the people of Israel. He says, your wound is incurable. You are beyond healing. The injury you have is beyond your healing. There is no one to plead your cause, no remedy for your sore, no healing for you. I have struck you like an enemy would. This is God speaking to his chosen people, saying, I am going to abandon you. For why? Because you have forsaken me. Try Isaiah 63.10. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. God fighting against them. Listen, we have God fighting against us now, and 94% of the pastors in this country believe that their ministry is successful. Listen to this, Lamentations 2, verses 4 and 5. Like an enemy, he has strung his bow. His right hand is ready. 
like a foe. He has slain all those who are pleasing to his eye. He has poured out his wrath like a fire. The Lord has become an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed all of her palaces and destroyed her strongholds. You see, God is the enemy of Israel. God is the enemy of an America that is totally upside down. And God is using the jawbone of a donkey who sees very clearly the angel that is standing between two cliffs with a sword unsheathed and ready to take him out. And Balaam is riding on that donkey, and that donkey crashes into one side, and Balaam beats that donkey, and he says, let's get going. And the donkey, this is the first time that God uses an animal to speak to a man. He uses that donkey, and he says, have I, have I ever betrayed you before? I am your donkey. I'm a servant. There is a, there's something ahead of you, and then Balaam sees it, and he goes, oh, my goodness. There's and, and the donkey saves his life. Look at Donald Trump is that donkey. He is telling us something that he doesn't even acknowledge God. I mean, he acknowledges God with his mouth, but he doesn't know Jesus uh, as, as the Lord and Savior. He does not. You can just tell that by just looking at him. Nice guy, but he's just not not Lord born again. He is not. So he's no more Christian than he is a poached egg. He is not. But he is an instrument that God is using to do what? To open the eyes of his prophet. His well, in this case, Balaam was a false prophet. Yet he prophesied a true thing. Some false prophets can prophesy true things, and God was using Trump to deal with us, we the leaders in there, to have eyes to see that God, that it's up to us for the church, for America ever to be great again. The Church of Jesus Christ must be great again. It, you know, before the Declaration of Independence was ever signed, we would never have had such a document had it not been for the Great Awakening in 18, uh, excuse me, 1740 to 1760, with, with um, John Whitfield preaching and Jonathan Edwards and the fire of God. And what was happening is Benjamin Franklin even said, you know, I'd go by the, there was not a time I could walk down the city. I didn't hear people singing psalms and, 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 and singing hymns and, and talking about the Bible, and I noticed that all of the bars were being, you know, there, there weren't people there anymore. There was a great revival in the land, and we turned to God, and, and, and out of that great awakening came the incredible founding fathers. Who, who gave us such an incredible country. And so let me just tell you who the last speaker was. His name is Eric Metaxas. Joe and Doug, are you f familiar with Eric Metaxas? Yes. He, he wrote the book Bonhoeffer. Well, his, yep. he, he was just releasing his brand new book. Um, and it was on June 21st, which was Tuesday, which is the day that we were meeting in June 21st. And that was the date of the release of his book. And he came out and spoke at the very end. And it was the most powerful and enlightening thing I have ever heard because he brought us back to the real truth. He brought us back to what made America great. And, uh, and, and uh, when Ben Franklin and all of the guys were in Philadelphia working uh, to get this Constitution done, and uh, when he came out of that, uh, one lady asked Benjamin Franklin, he said, Mr. Franklin, what have you given us, a monarchy or a republic? And 
Benjamin Franklin said to her, Madam, I have given you a republic if you can keep it. That's the title of Metaxas' book, Eric Metaxas' book, If You Can Keep It. Can we keep this? Are we losing it? We are. We're losing it. And he said, for America to be great again, the Church of Jesus Christ is going to have to be great again. And the only way that that's going to happen, and and here it comes, is Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, all those evangelical leaders there, gathered together in Times Square, great men of God, I'm so privileged to be there with them and so excited. If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Look, if God is our problem, we've got a mighty big and absolutely totally insurmountable problem. But we know the character of God. And you and I, through the blood of Christ, are able to enter into the holy of holies and call upon his name and unloose from this earth repentance that will allow God to open from heavens and pour into us his mercy and his grace. And he himself will heal this land. He will make it great so that all the world might know that there is a God and that his name is Jesus, not Allah, not Gautama Buddha, not Krishna, not Joseph Smith, not the God in me, not the God in the tree. No, his name is Jesus who exists empirically, objectively, apart from what you think or feel. He exists. He is here. He died for our sins. He rose from the grave, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is looking for a man to build up the wall and stand in the gap that he might heal the land. And when God looked, it said, and I found none. No, not one. So, when we when the questions were asked of Donald Trump and there were several of them the real question needed to get right back to us we are the ones that are impeding god we the church are the ones america can never be great the government can never be great until the church is great and 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 america can never be free unless it's on the golden triangle and this is what i learned from eric metaxas the golden triangle which says that you must have faith and faith in the truth not just faith in something not just faith to have faith not just some blind lead in the dark you know or leap you know off a cliff that's in everywhere in the bible that's called stupidity um that's not faith faith is trusting in the truth and being all in on the truth Jesus truth is a person truth is a person I am the way I am the truth Jesus said I am the life we and as we trust in him what happens is he begins to with faith in the truth and on the rock leads to virtue inside of you you begin to change 
You're not ripping off your neighbor because somebody writes a good law and says, hey, you shouldn't rip off your neighbor. You're not ripping off your neighbor because God wants you to love your neighbor. You see, I'm not going to, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be self-governed. I can remember when I was in college at Parsons College, that was flunk out you back there, you know, way back in 1966. If you couldn't get into any other college, you'd go to Parsons College and they'd let you in. They'd let anybody in. They let me in. And so my first two years I spent at Parsons College and, and I can remember anything that wasn't nailed down was stolen from the room. And that's just the way it was. The kids were different. Then I went to Asbury Seminary, you know, several years later to Asbury Seminary, and I noticed something. Both schools had the same rules, but in one school, I couldn't leave anything anywhere without it was going to be stolen or taken. But at Asbury Seminary, I could leave a $100 bill, and you know, right on a table, and somebody would find out, or they would put it in the lost and found, and they wouldn't take it. What's the difference? Did they have better rules at Parsons College than they did at Asbury Seminary? No. It wasn't that at all. It was that they were entirely different kinds of people. They were born-again Christians at Asbury Theological Seminary. They weren't going to rip people off, and as a matter of fact, they were going to do everything to help you help me to get what I may have lost back, or to lay their lives down that I might move up. It was a whole different atmosphere. That's what happens. Virtue has to fill our hearts. Our founding fathers were filled with virtue because of the great awakening of 1740 to 1760 to prepare the way for a true liberty and a republic, if you can keep it. And you see, the only way that you keep it is when you have people of faith which transfers into virtue inside of you. This is the golden triangle, which becomes, which makes way for liberty. But you can't have liberty without virtue. You can't have liberty if you don't have faith, a choice. You see, liberty has to have the inside internal government that will make us so that we don't need a whole lot of laws to govern us. We can operate on two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And so what makes America free? What, What happened? Why do we have the freest nation ever, ever existed? And that there's importance in each and every individual. What has what has God given us? It is a republic. If you can keep it. Now, the only way that you can keep it is that God is at your foundation. For it's God that sets the man free. It's God that set this drunk me, I'm talking about myself, free from booze. I had all the beer I wanted today. How how is that? Because I don't want any anymore. Jesus has set me free from that. Nobody else could do that. I could have all the rules. I I could never not have a drink. I was never free not to, to drink. And now I am. I'm free. And what happens inside a person happens inside of a nation. And it was this God of the Bible that made us what we are today. Not the way we are because we're losing it. Remember the question, if you can keep it, if you can keep it, we have given you a republic, and that republic is established on Almighty God. It is Him that gives us the spirit of unity. The reason that we're divided today is that we've thrown God out, and we will never be united, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. We will never be united again until we have God's pleasure and smile on our nation. And right now, as we're killing little babies, you know, and, and we had a Supreme Court that just totally stuck a middle finger right in the eye of Almighty God yesterday and and told us that uh, 
that these uh, abortionists don't have to have privileges in hospitals. Most of them can't get privileges in hospitals. By the way, there's only 1,018 um, practicing abortionists in this nation. Did you know that? That number has shrunk by almost 60% from what it was in, in 1991. The number of abortion mills in this nation in 1991 were 2,400. Today, today there are 512 left. This battle is being won in the streets, but it's not being won in the halls of Congress or in the Supreme Court. We're getting clobbered there. It's being won by simple little Christians living out their faith in the streets, giving mothers a choice, and mothers are choosing life. It is the gates of hell are not prevailing against the Church of Jesus Christ. Now, you don't hear about this. You don't. It's well beneath the radar of ABC, CBS, and NBC, but nevertheless, it is being won in the streets with simple little Christians living out their faith. What made this nation great? And what makes it great and will make it great again is when the church becomes great again. And pastors repent of the fact that they are in successful ministries. Repent of that and just say, where are you in the, in the city halls? Where are you in the streets of our cities? Where are your fathers that could get down there to take care of young men in, in the cities that are just... You know, they're, they're ripping up cities and just running all over the place with no, there's not a policeman and a police force and a National Guard big enough to rescue us from this stuff. It is God himself that is calling fathers. And, he, and God said this, last verse of the Old Testament, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, hearts of the children to their fathers, or I will smite the land with a curse. Our problem in the inner city is the absence of fathers. Our problem is there. And, of course, our problem in this nation is the absence of a heavenly father because we have forsaken him, and we are the only ones that can call him back because he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. That is the hope for America. And that is what Eric Metaxas wrote about when he gave us the golden triangle of, uh, of faith, virtue. It creates virtue in the heart, and then it begins to externalize in the laws of the land, which brings liberty. And the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. And yet we are united, all of us different, but united. And what unites us? Almighty God, the real God, not Allah, but the real God of the Bible. So, fellas, what I took in my outtake of that whole event was that we evangelical, not leaders, but we evangelical guys, we people that say that we know Jesus, need to repent and, and get on our knees and on our faces and say, God, forgive us. And, God, I want to thank you for Donald Trump 
I want to thank you for Ted Cruz. I want to thank you for all of these guys because, God, you're up to something that's way beyond anything that I know. There are people now that say, uh, you know, that God can't use this guy and uh, he'll never be God's man. Well, I just plead with you, please get into the Bible and read the people that he used, or probably better yet, just look in the mirror and see. You want to... The biggest hypocrite you're going to see all day, you're going to find right there in that mirror. <laughs> it's really true. And so, uh, fellas, that's what I picked up. I can give you Donald Trump's answers, but you know what? Those answers were just the same as he always gives. There, there wasn't anything new. Not, not anything that I heard. So, fellas, I, you know, I, I'll turn this right back to you. And if you have any questions or anything you'd like to know and, and add, please do. Well, uh, Flip, wow. I, I mean, just wow <laughs> with respect to the delivery, the information. Um, folks, what uh, Pastor Flip Benham was talking about is a meeting that took place in New York City with evangelical leaders on uh, summer solstice, actually, uh, June 21st <laughs> in New York City, where a thousand evangelical leaders got up and uh, uh ask questions of Donald Trump and I have one question for you right now what was the impetus for this meeting in other words we Hillary Clinton for example has never to my in to my knowledge has never met with evangelical leaders but she will meet with Isis or 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 you know a Muslim leader and parenthood yeah there you go what 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 was the prompting for this particular meeting on the 21st? Well, I, I think it's the men that he is surrounded with trying to help him along. But believe me, um, Donald Trump it, it simply is not a Christian. Those guys know that. And and Mike Huckabee, uh, Ben Carson, um, James Robinson, got guys that he's going to have around him. Uh, and, and this is what I like about Donald Trump is that he has got quite a few guys that are really breathing into him, and he is and they are there directing him. This meeting wouldn't have happened without uh, Dr. Ben Carson and, of course, a man by the name of Joe Dallas. I do not know him that well, but he and, uh, and a very powerful donor uh, put this whole thing together. It was some a vision that God had given him about uh, four and a half or five months ago uh, to get these leaders together to talk with Donald Trump, and uh, and so and so we had that meeting, and, and you're right. There is no presidential candidate ever that ever said this, that I will appoint only pro-life uh, people to the Supreme Court. You, you, there is not one ever uh, that has done that, and, and Trump did. That is the result of these guys being near him. And look at, um, he who walks with the wise becomes wise himself, but a companion of fools suffers harm. I'm, I'm praying that just God will raise up people to walk around him. And I pray that one day, and I know that you're praying that too, that one day he's going to come to meet Jesus. And I, I know that Abraham Lincoln didn't really know Jesus. He knew the Bible because that was the book that he read, and, and all of that was in him, that, that word of God, but it never began to come to fruition until his second inaugural address. You begin to see the outworkings that now things were coming together, and you see that second inaugural address written right in the on the walls of the uh, Lincoln Memorial, 
And and you see that now we have a man that knew God. Before he went in, he wasn't that kind of a man. Before he, you know, entered into his presidency, he wasn't that kind of a man. But that presidency brought him to a point where he did have that point in time where he met Jesus. And, and, and I'm praying the same thing for, for Donald Trump. Of course, I pray the same thing for anybody. It's not just Donald Trump, but anybody. I want him to know the Lord that saved a wretch like me. So um, I don't know if that answered your question, but um, uh, yeah. I, I, I'll, just, I'll just leave that right there. And, and if you might want to redirect me. Did I, did I answer your question or not? Yeah, I, I think you did. Um, I mean, with respect to the the, uh, the the meeting, you know, we have to understand. I think I think as people, and I say this all the time, Flip, uh, that uh, it doesn't matter who is in the White House with respect to our our individual uh, walk. Okay, and change in this country is going to come from individually from the bottom up not from the top down you can't legislate spirituality you know right. uh really now the, the, uh, one one other question too because i know this is a, a a contentious point with many and i know you've seen the uh the dialogue the discussions online about this but when you had said about uh uh when you had referenced donald trump abortions what have you the supreme court the the issue of judicial supremacy. Does Trump believe in judicial supremacy? In other words, abortion is not constitutional, nor is it uh, anything antithetical with the Constitution and the Bible is no law at all. So you can't really have, uh, you know, I mean, the, the Supreme Court can rule or provide opinions all day long. That doesn't make it law. And in Trump's view, which what I hear you saying is Trump would say, well, I, I would appoint a pro-life can, uh, person to the Supreme Court. I understand that. But what about the issue of judicial supremacy and Donald Trump? Did that ever come up? No, it, it certainly didn't, and it's an excellent question because there is no such thing as judicial supremacy in the Supreme Court, except for one court, which really is supreme, before whom every knee of every justice that sat on our Supreme Court is going to bow and confess, his tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Our Supreme Court is out of control. It is as, it is as political, and it's making law. Courts can't make law. But our Congress is filled with Republicans that don't dare say anything, don't dare withhold the purse, don't don't exercise any power. This is where I see God using Trump to just blast these guys that have smashed us. But as to the Supreme Court, that's got to be dealt with. And, uh, and I don't know how it's going to be dealt with, because we're really losing separation of powers. And the Supreme Court, it never has the last word. It does not. It never right, can, right. and it can't make law. But you, you watch him making law. You watch uh, Justice Roberts. Boy, did he crater on us. Uh, you hey, know, and with Obamacare and the decisions that... Flip, we're at the top of the hour. If you want to hold over, you're more than welcome to. If you want to take off, feel free. Either way, I want to oh, thank I'm you good. for tonight. Yes, sir. Do, do, do you have, you, have uh, you want to hold over for another segment?
Never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, folks, to this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, what a what a gracious man to, to to give his time. That's Pastor Flip Benham. Uh, last hour, just a fabulous hour, describing, of course, the uh, circumstances and the uh, uh, well, the the events that took place at the meeting with Donald Trump, presumptive nominee for the uh, Republican presidential ticket here in 2016 before we get back to pastor ben who has been gracious enough to hold over um and i've got numerous questions for him uh before we get back to uh pastor benham i just want to remind everyone folks healthmasters.com doug five look that expires tomorrow at midnight everything at healthmasters.com on sale if you use the promo code at checkout doug five five percent off of your order take advantage of that and you heard tonight as well prepare 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 well hey american survival wholesale that's american survival wholesale.com go there for their independence day special that package that they put together 380 servings of food for 180 bucks you can't beat that with a big stick Okay, um, it, it's it's amazing. So, both both companies, both partners, uh, what, what Christian-owned, veteran-owned uh, company, American Survival Wholesale, Christian-owned company, Health Masters, fine products. Absolutely, oh, yes. And again, we're joined by uh, Reverend Philip Benham. He was at the New York City meeting of evangelical leaders with Donald Trump, and from the emails. In some of the comments I see, there seems to be some confusion. We're not attacking Donald Trump, nor are we attacking his belief system. Yeah, what is being why, why the confusion? He, you know, he, he, here's here's my problem, and let me just give you a thirty second rant. Why the confusion? Because I find most people who do who do say, "Well, th- this is what you said." No, no, no. Stop typing and listen. And I say that with. A little bit of anger, but a lot of love, okay? Listen to what is being said. 
and if you, you well i'm going to stop there pastor or reverend i'm sorry thank you for holding over um we're not against donald trump are we i mean you're not uh-oh did we lose him <laughs> uh-oh reverend benham if you if you're there i'm sorry you know, I, I muted that <laughs> okay. I'm like sorry, forgive me. I, I just, uh, I just think that we are, um, uh, we, we are just not seeing Donald Trump for what he is—the donkey that that God is using to to bring us to our knees, and, and to see that there's a man that's speaking forthrightly and very clearly on issues that everybody else is afraid to take up, and yet, nevertheless, he does, and he serves. You, you know, he is just serving. He. I want to say that he's serving his father, but he doesn't know the God of the Bible. Not yet. I pray that he does. But um, he is uh, he is a guy that is speaking more forthrightly than we pastors, than we evangelicals. And he is. And he's certainly speaking a lot better than uh, and more forthrightly and with more courage than our Republican leadership. That's a fact. And you're beginning to see in Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney a real hatred that's coming out of them. I mean, they're being revealed for what they are. They do not like Donald Trump. Look at his enemies, Mitch McConnell. Uh, you know, just just look at George Will. Just look at the guys. They hate him with a hatred that is so visceral. It is just like the hatred that Hillary Clinton. They, our guys, these leaders seem to love Hillary more than Donald Trump. They they fear Donald Trump more than her. And you just look at the, 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 the uh, this huge list of enemies that Trump has, people that just never Trump, we, I hate him, uh, and anybody that dares to disagree with me, well, you're a heretic. Uh, it's just, it's almost like we, we lose friendships over this. And, and, and so you're beginning to see the battle lines being really drawn very squarely. You, so you're going to have to make a decision as, as to who you're going to serve and that first of all you're going to have to see what is god doing with donald trump and when you see it you all of a sudden see the big division he's making it clear for us that there's a divide between the seed of the serpent which is my rights my body my choice my thing i do what i want whenever i want my one commandment is don't judge me and the seed of the woman that says not my will but thine be done you were bought with a price you're not your own therefore glorify god in your body that there's a huge division here. And you're finding Republicans that you thought were your friends are really a part of the seed of the serpent. You just watch Paul Ryan. There's no reason that he needs to be making speeches uh, against Donald Trump like this, but he doesn't see Donald Trump as anything but an enemy of him and his position. The same with Mitch McConnell, the same with the several other Republicans that are up there. You're seeing that they see him as far greater enemy than Hillary Rodham Clinton. Some of them are even so audacious and arrogant, trying in their one-upmanship, saying, I'm going to vote for Hillary. Mm-hmm. Which is well, shocking, we're gonna, we're to say the least. It. I mean, you're going to vote for a lady that uh, that is absolutely pro-abortion. Everything that she's for, God is against. Everything God is against, she's for. She, she is totally the seed of the serpent. And the answer is yes, because these Republicans want their position and value their position more than anything else. That's why I always say that conservatism is pretend salt. And it's pretend salt because <laughs> it seeks the vote of salt. 
It talks like salt. It likes to be the friend of salt. Uh, and it, it makes all sorts of promises to salt. But when the test of taste comes in, it is revealed for what it really is. And this is the Republican Party, a tasteless enabler of perdition, of sin. And that's what they're doing. And we've been voting for these Republicans for so long, and they have proved themselves over and over again that they will never, ever stand, that for them, the attainment of office or the remaining in office is the sumum bonum. You know what's the problem with conservatism? It has never found a cause for which it is willing to die. Christianity oh, what is what Rush Limbaugh longs for. You know, yes. he's wondering, why do these people always fail us? Well, they're always going to fail us because they're not Christians. They don't have the key of the golden triangle, which is virtue, character, virtue in their heart to stand and say that it's not about me. It's about my nation. It's about me laying my life down and giving the gifts that I have as best as I can to lift up this nation and lift up the God of this nation. That's Christianity. We found a cause for which we're willing to die, and we're not going to back up. And listen, we're not going to just want a place at the table. I don't want a place at the table. I don't want to eat the crumbs that you throw me, little legislative pieces of junk. I don't want I want to kick the table over in the name of Jesus Christ and proclaim that he is the king. And he is the one that made America great, and we want to make America great again. And so we're going to unloose the Holy Spirit. We're going to turn loose the Lion of Judah. You know, we don't we don't have to protect our God. We just have to open the cage and let the Lion of Judah out. He'll take he'll do real good taking care of himself. And this and this is what we as Christians have to understand that we have this incredible power at our hands. But right now we're arguing over the minutia. I'm I read these email strains and I see, you know, what, what these guys are saying and I don't want to have any part in the silliness, the gossip, the one-upsmanship of a bunch of brilliant guys who have shoehorned Almighty God into their own comfortable little boxes and they demand that everybody else agree with them and if you don't, you're a heretic and, they, and they're trying to insist that everybody do what they do. These are a bunch of guys and gals that take great pains and then they give them to everyone else. And believe me, Doug and Joe, I know that you're getting that pain. <laughs> they oh, like to oh, give you pain. Oh, yeah, you got that right, uh, Reverend. I, I need to ask you this because this is something, and this is a question from me, my heart. Here I am, just a normal guy, really wanting to be obedient. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in my Bible. Uh, but, but, you know, Christianity, as you exhibit, is not a passive endeavor. It's active. You are at, you are at the tip of the spear. You're in the game. You're, you're, uh, uh, wearing a shoe leather out at these, uh, these murdering mills. You're, you're doing a whole lot of good for a whole lot of reasons. I mean, you are in the game. Now, here I am. And, and I'll speak for Joe too. Here we are, just a couple of guys trying to be obedient. And here's what we get a lot of times. Hey, you know what? 
you're you are you're not getting it, uh, Doug. For example, when I speak of, uh, for example, uh, the political issues, and we talk about well, we talk about Donald Trump. Well, you shouldn't. You, you, you've got to trust in God. Of course, we trust in God. Of course, we have to pray. Uh, I I understand all of that. But we uh, we are accused of being too much in in the world. In other words, well, you know what? Um, you, you should rely on uh, people. Say this: my vote. Who am I voting for this this election? I'm voting for Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, you know what, Reverend? I, I can't find him on the ballot. All right. Now yeah, he's not there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So, but we have, uh, or I, uh, the, the only person I trust is, is, is Jesus. I, and I understand that mentality. But we were getting, I'm getting accused of being in the world and, uh, and of the world. But we can't be passive as Christians. We have to, we have to go out there and we have to pick up the sword and fight, metaphorically speaking, of course. Don't we? I mean, help me out. Help me understand this. Pick up the cross. Absolutely. That's what we're called to do. And you're going to be hated and despised by some of your very best friends because Jesus unites his enemies and he divides his friends, believe me. And in this uh, this, uh, particular election, if you don't see God's hand at work, you're going to you're going to find out that you're going to be kicking against the goats and that God is going to become your enemy. Uh, and, and it's going to be your choice because God is making some things very, very clear. And I hope that as, as, as we, you know, we've been just chatting uh, back and forth, um, that uh, there are lines being drawn which are going to separate a lot of friends. Uh, really, friends that you have, Joe, friends that I have, Doug, uh, you, you guys. Uh, I mean, and because you're, you, you know, you're. Your people that are out there, you're going to get all of this stuff, and everybody's going to insist that if you don't get in with me, and if you don't support who I support, then you're no Christian, or I'm not going to have anything more to do with you, or oh, I thought you were something, but I see that you're something else. Look, that's just the way it's going to be in this world, and God is going to separate his friends, but what we have to do is follow God, and you know, hopefully it's going to breathe more and more courage and breathe more and more courage into you you and into me as we walk and we're going to have to take a lot of hits we're going to take a lot of hits but i know that god is when i read these strains in these emails and i see the self-righteousness and pharisaical attitude of some of our brothers who are on this email strain i it has sickens me it makes my i literally just want to say shut up just stop writing just like what you said stop typing and listen you know a fool has no delight in understanding but only in expressing his own opinion that's that's the proverbs and and we've got some guys that are brilliant and they are guys that you know can manipulate almost anybody into trying to you know to shoehorn them into their point of view but our god is more brilliant than any guy that we have that's on this earth he is our god he is you know omniscient he knows everything you know most of us don't know everything although some of us really think that we do even though we keep saying that i'm your humble you know correspondent here uh, but but the fact of the matter is that our god is going somewhere and i have eyes to see my question is do you see what i see do you hear what i hear do you know what i know 
God is speaking through the jawbone of a donkey. His name is Donald Trump. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you know? And uh, until we get there, um, it, there is no dealing with, with the arguments on the other side. And God's word, it's either going to soften you or harden you. And it all depends on you. Um, and, and that's a fact. I mean, the same sun that softens the wax is going to harden the clay. And the, and, and the sun doesn't change. It's just the, the makeup of the material. So the question is, what kind of soil am I? I, I mean, I used to be the guy that would say that to vote for the lesser of two evils is evil still. I believe that that is very true. But when you have two different um, tracks going into the White House, you're going to vote for one or the other. You say, well, no, I'll write somebody's name in. And you can do that. And that would be fine. And and you know what? I, I have to let you do that because I want you to be obedient to your conscience. Don't you let that go. You obey your conscience. But I am seeing God do some incredible things. And I have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to do. But I'm not ready to say it. But I've got a pretty good idea idea of exactly what I'm going to do, and and uh, one of those things is that I, we're going to get back into the, the city hall here at Charlotte, and we're going to take it over. It's just it's that simple. I can't control all the things about presidential stuff. I'm going to vote in that presidential election, because your, your vote is the currency of your virtue, and you need to vote that as honestly as you can. But if you start getting involved in all these email things, and you start picking on Doug and Joe, and you start picking on all of these other guys and trying to pick them apart, you're, you're going to find that you're just going to rip each other apart completely. And and some of us just have to hush. And and I, and I pray that there will be no more email strains. I, maybe that's the greatest <laughs> prayer. God, stop us from writing wow. these email things. You, you know, yeah, and, and it's, it's really something to see this take place. Reverend, uh, we are seeing such a divide right now and i and i hope people really understand what you said because it is very profound that um uh, about uh, uh about this election about god using donald trump and about what's taking place can't you see it you you said that a couple of times can't you see what's taking place and you know reverend and i'm i'm going to shut up here at this point but after i say this I, I sit in the quiet of the morning and, and I scour the headlines and, and I look at the different, uh, well, the email dialogues and I read them. I never respond. I never, but you know what? I, I sit there and I contemplate and I'm thinking, I, I'm witnessing history, a marvelous, exciting, somewhat frightening, changing, forever changing history. And I wonder how many people are really seeing, Reverend, what you just said. How many people really, I mean, not the inch deep and a mile wide, no, no, but the, the true significance of what you just said. You know, Doug, I, I, don't, know the, I don't know the answer to that question, but I, I, I do know something about seeing things. And, uh, you know, I think the, the most perfect example that we have is Jesus. Uh, and and uh, so if that's the case, I, I just think I'll take you back to John chapter 5 and, uh, and, and 
and uh, pick up in, in verse 19, Jesus is answering the Pharisees who are upset with him for healing on the Sabbath. You know, if he was really God, he wouldn't be healing on the Sabbath. And uh, Jesus seemed to on purpose heal on the Sabbath because he was looking for a fight. And uh, and he knew what was going on. He wanted to expose to them their own hypocrisy. So he's healing people on the Sabbath. And, uh, and, uh, and these folks are just getting upset and saying that he's trying to make himself equal with God. And in John 5, 19, Jesus gives us these, these words. Um, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. Look. This is open for you and me and every Christian who is born again. God is showing us what he's doing. He, he, now, the world doesn't see this. Don't expect that Donald Trump's going to figure this out. He's got to be surrounded by a lot of guys that have eyes that see. Uh, and believe me, except a man be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. So this right there, if you're expecting Donald Trump to see this, you're wrong. But a lot of you that claim Christ, what do you see God doing right now? Is he just making you mad because he's using somebody that you don't think he should use? Somebody that's uh, you know been married three times and boasts about you know having trysts with everyone? You 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 upset that he's using somebody like that? You don't think that he can? Or or you know do you have God in your little box and you're not going to let him out and you're going to allow your theology to keep you a prisoner and you're not going to be able to see what God is doing? Listen to what Jesus said. He he says the son can do nothing by himself. He can only he can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. You know what? We need to see what God is doing and then engage ourselves in the very same activity. For the father Amen. loves the son and shows him all he does. And the Son is showing us all that he does. I see God working. I hope that you do. I hear his voice, and I hope that you do. I hear it right through the Scripture. Um, and I have a heart that understands, and that's only because God has broken into my hardened heart. And by the way, uh, that heart it needs to be renewed every day. I die daily, and I mean that, brethren. That's what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that we have to have eyes that see, ears that hear, and a heart that understands and will apprehend his truth, and then let's join with God in this incredible endeavor. This journey uh, from now until November is going to be an exciting journey with many, many turns. And if you will follow him by the time you walk into that booth, if you don't get stuck in your own theology and get stuck there really bad, you're going to you're going to see some things that you thought you would never see. You're going to hear some things, and, it, and they're going to be wonderful things. They're going to be great things, um, because we're going to go through a turmoil. And God, listen, we don't hear God yet. Remember, 94% of the pastors feel that they are successful. They do. They don't feel like they have done anything to repent of, and at least according to George Barna. And, and so where are we? Well, we're not calling out to God. Well, God knows how 
to make us cry. Amen. He does. Flip, you said something at the beginning of, of when you came on about the fact that you know people were wondering if Trump repented and and that you were shown that it wasn't about that. It was about the people who were there, the leaders in the Christian community, Amen. the voices, that they are the ones that needed to repent. And I think as a whole, the, the, the body of Christ, uh, we all need to, to repent. And Amen. we need to make sure that, you know, the obedience, the dedication, and w- with a pure heart, <clears throat> we are carrying out the Lord's will and or are at least open and willing and wanting the Lord's will to be working in our life. Everybody's so quick to point the finger, <clears throat> yet they'll never point it at themselves. <laughs> well said, Joe. That is so very true. We are we are good at seeing the speck, and we really miss the log. <laughs> it's in our own eye, uh, but that, but that's the way we are. We're people, and uh, you know I'm smiling right now just because you know God has given me the privilege. One of the great things that we have is Eric Metaxas' book, and it's I haven't even read it yet. But, man, when I heard him talking the way he was, I said, you know what, this guy is seeing things, and he's seeing it through our founding fathers. One of the ways that we can see what God is doing is by what he has done in history, um, through the Bible, and the providential history of America. There would be no declaration of independence were it not for the Great Awakening, you know, of uh, uh, Jonathan Edwards and uh, George Whitfield from 1740 to 17. um, uh, 60 that just prepared the way and prepared hearts for an incredible constitution that was given to us that would make us one nation under God and it was God that united us this is the thing American can never be great again until America's church is great again we can do this we have the keys and, and we can unlock and unloose, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. And uh, and this is what God is looking for. He's just looking for an excuse to show up. Let's give him an excuse this November. Let's give him an excuse. God, I'm seeing, I'm beginning to see, and I, and I might need another touch. You know, I see men walking his trees, but Lord, touch me again so that I can see clearly what it is. And he will. He'll give you a second touch. He will. And his Holy Spirit will begin to give you eyes that all of a sudden the scales will be taken off and you will be free to see and you will be engaged and God will use you powerfully and believe me we need men like that today to help guide us to lead us to the place where God would have us to be Amen and Flip I know we kept you over the time we we talked about and uh, you're free to stay till the end of the show um, oh, I do have I've email questions. Okay, absolutely. Would that um, be all right? Listen, I love oh, you yeah, guys. Thank yeah. you so much for the privilege. You you are doing well, and and uh, brother, you are coming forth as pure gold. So don't worry about all those emails. God's bringing oh, no you problem. forth as pure gold. Thank you for the privilege God of being with you. you. Reverend, thank you so much. The duct, duct tape has been broken. I guess we can't keep them down that long. Uh, Reverend uh, Benham, thank you for taking so much of your time out of your day. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Bye-bye. All right, that was Reverend Flip Benham, folks. Uh, on fire or what? OperationSaveAmerica.org yeah. is his website. That's OperationSaveAmerica.org. It's in the description in the YouTube and blog talk. Um 
Joe, if I can pop in here real quick. You know, we said, we talked about something yesterday, and I, I really, really, really want to make sure that, uh, uh, of all people, you talk about doers, you talk about people on the front lines, you talk about individuals who are making a difference. You know, one of my favorite people, America's coach, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. Oh my goodness. You know, he is taking, uh, where's my note here? PTSalt.com yeah, is his website for those uh, unfamiliar. Coach with Dave me. Live, okay, is the, um, Coach Dave Live. That's the website. He, he, he is, um, I, I, I don't know if he hijacked or, uh, what he did, but he's got a, a tractor trailer that he's, of food he's taking down to West Virginia to the flood victims. Wow. In fact, some of our, our, our listeners, yes. Uh, so let's help him out. Go to CoachDaveLive.com. Uh, he, he only needs a couple of a couple of grand really to to get the job done. We, as a family, uh, the Hagmans have uh, uh, given a little bit, and I would urge everyone to go to CoachDaveLive.com. Dot com, and click on the donate button. Let's help him get this tractor trailer full of food down to West Virginia. Absolutely. Okay, please. And uh, just let him know you heard it on our show because he's making a difference. I mean, Coach is like an energizer bunny. I mean, you wind him up and he's out there just going great guns. God bless that man. Um, so, so I just want to sneak that in there. Talking about Donald Trump, and folks, say what you will. Uh, I've been wrestling with this, and, and this is something that I've talked to everybody has. Source. Well, no, not, not, not this. I, I, I see a situation. There, there's a, a lethal cocktail of anger. There's a lethal cocktail mm-hmm. of danger. Pray for the safety of that man. Now, you know, we talk about the power of prayer on this show and, yeah. and how the listeners of the show uh, support us through many ways, you know, prayer, guest suggestions, sending us letters, um, making donations, however people do it. But we don't know where we would be without your prayers. And oh, we don't know. We, we, we'd be dead in the water, basically. It, you know, the difference of some something being averted or something... Uh, miraculous happening could just be the difference of a single prayer from one believing Christian. Exactly. Well, again, I I see, and I've been I've been told this. I have. No, and let me be clear: there is no specific intelligence to suggest this at all. However, I have been uh, <clears throat> uh, cautioned to to really watch because the headlines could change in a heartbeat. Um, the anger, the resentment against Donald Trump is just off the charts. Now, think about this. Is there that anger against Hillary Diana Rodham, the witch Clinton? No. No. But there, but it is against Donald Trump. But you see, it's manufactured anger. It's orchestrated anger. It's orchestrated through the dollars, the money, the uh the one thing our enemies have that we don't have now when I say we I'm talking about uh Christians and uh conserv- socially conservative Christians specifically we, they are far more organized and much more well funded than, yeah. than we are Paul McGuire talks about this he's going to be on our show tomorrow 
uh, and he's not the only one. Uh, T- Ted Breuer has brought this up. Steve Quayle, uh, last time he was on, talked about this. You know, the fastest growing religion in the United States is, is Wicca, according to Russ Dizdar. But more importantly, when we look at the satanic ritual that took place on 6616 in LA, when we look at the rise of the Satanism, the symbols, the uh, statues, the literature, and even the, the, you can turn to the homosexual agenda, the organization, the dedication to the abortion industry, the unity. It's almost like when you read about Leviathan and Job in chapter uh, 41, I believe it is, where it talks about the scales are so close uh, together that no air can fl- flow between them. We don't have a united front in Christianity. We are divided by theology, by doctrines, and denominations. If we had half of the organizational skills and devotion to being organized and on the same page, imagine the difference we could make. It's community mentality. You know what, Joe, and we run into this all the time, don't we, that... uh, uh, we know that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Now, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, a reverend. I, I, I'm the furthest thing from those than you can ever. Uh, believe me, I, I'm not that. Okay, but but one thing I've noticed in, in as in my capacity as an investigator, and, I, and I've I've investigated a lot of people in 30 years. I I watch what people do and listen to what people say and I, and I look for um, I look for uh, uh, clues I guess is a word he thinks he's a mentalist <laughs> yeah <laughs> really. uh, uh, that was a program right yeah the there was some kind of uh, guy who solved crimes via I think perception and uh, whatever body okay. language math I don't know something like that well you, you know it, it, by the way um some of the best interviews I've ever conducted, and I, I and I, I'll say this with um, uh, as an investigator inside the walls of prisons, are the ones where I went in and sat down and didn't say a word or said very little, and th- th- there's an uneasiness that develops almost immediately. If if the if, if the incarcerated individual knows, for example, and they always do, because you you uh, there's a lot of things you have to do before you visit an inmate to uh, to interview them. So so they know why why you're there. But if you sit there and just li- just watch and listen, you can learn a lot. But what I see as an, so so having said that, laying that as a foundation as an investigator. What I see taking place in the Christian community, and and this does extend into the conservative community, is that people are taking the role as accusers of the brethren and causing division by by, by making accusations of non-salvational doctrinal divides or disagreements and, and I wonder to myself if they're doing this if some of these people are doing this intentionally or if they're doing this 
you know, in good faith. I understand. I don't agree. But I understand because if we are in a battle, and we are, and we are a united front, or if we are Christians and fighting a common enemy, that's evil, of all stripes, then do we really have time to look at the person next to us in the foxhole and say, hey, you know what, your 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 boots are, are dirty or your you, you know your your or whatever. Do we have that do we have time for that? I don't think we do. Now, if they have a gun if if, if their gun is pointed at you know the wrong way, of course you've got to make a correction. But 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 you see, the, the, this is an issue I believe, and especially in the political venue among conservatives, this is where the progressive left, communist, uh, Fabian socialist, Marxist individuals. This is exactly what they are exploiting on our side. They're exploiting this division. And they're gaining ground by it. Mm-hmm. Are they not? Mm-hmm. Okay. So rather than than be, be rather than being an accuser, making accusations, and, and pushing people down, give them a hand up. That's just my observation. And, and for those who are quick to say, "Wait a minute, this is what I think." You can learn a lot by just sitting and listening, watching. And, and pretty, pretty soon, the person sitting across from you will reveal where they stand. Mm-hmm. Just my two cents. You know, most um, demons, most witches, occultists, and even Satan himself knows scripture front and backwards. They use this secret stealth to deceive and bring about the apostasy that we see before us today. And when we as Christians don't know the Bible as well as those who use it against us, we put ourselves at a huge disadvantage. And there's so much more, you know, we we can talk about when it pertains to the Bible perception and dealing with one another. But I know one thing's for certain. Jesus made very clear that we are to love and to forgive endlessly. We're not to hate. We're not to be rioters or people who start trouble in word or in action. But we are to be there for people in season and out of season. And looking at what Coach Dave's doing in West Virginia, the, the floods, um, 1,200 homes have been lost and over 23 lives. 
this week in West Virginia, it says on, on CNN from an article today, the West Virginians likely will escape any more. Uh, this week, West Virginians likely will escape any more of the flooding that has wrecked havoc across several counties, taking 23 lives, a figure authority warned may rise. But for the families on Millhouse Road and White Sulphur Springs, many of them kin in any new flooding would hardly make things worse. Eleven houses stood on the road near Howard Creek last Thursday. Three remain. And they go on, this article goes on uh, to talk about the residents and to talk about the destruction and how they, uh, the whole community and surrounding communities have been irreversibly changed. But so often in these times of tragedy, there are those who are heroes, and then there are those um, who do what they can. I mean, everybody who does what they can to help another is a hero. Many people will hide uh, out of fear and being timid, but those people who step up to help others, that's what God is looking for. He's not looking for somebody indifferent, somebody looking to save themselves by not risking themselves for another. And while you have a state of emergency, while you do have people trying to take advantage of the situation through looting, as sad as it is to say, tragedies like this will bring communities together and will bring them together much stronger. The floods last week damaged or destroyed more than 1,200 homes, 500 in Roanoke County, 70 businesses destroyed, two to 300 severely damaged homes and businesses. That's just in one county. These, these are the highest death tolls since May 2010 when 27 people died in Tennessee, Kentucky, and Mississippi. But as I said at the beginning, reading in this article, the West Virginia death toll may still climb. There are three people unaccounted for in one county alone. Children have been lost. And this, as I said, there's a state of emergency. But this is where the test comes in, because we're all going to face times like these, in different situations like these, in our own way. We're all going to be looking down the barrel of a proverbial gun, per se. And how are you going to act? Yep. I mean, are you going to save yourself, or are you going to join together, do what's right, and help those around you? You know, and that, that's another and like thing. Like Coach Dave, is yeah. Doing. Go ahead. That's why. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, Coach Dave does not have time to 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 call people on the carpet and say you're doing this wrong or that wrong. He's out there, you know, helping people. And this is what we all need to be doing: is we need we need to be uh, joining forces and and fighting against the evil that has been so pervasive and is so pervasive in our society. And and um, whether the, the political landscape is right now so bad, you're you're seeing globalists. Right now, having meltdowns, uh, uh, you're, you're really, in my view, you're, you're seeing uh, globalists for what they are. Are we not? You're, you, oh, you've yeah. got the CFR uh, people the, coming out and saying, oh, "Well, the report on an in, Infowars yeah, CFR yeah. member calls on elites to rise up against ignorant masses." Exactly. Wealthy heir to Bloomingdale's chain sneers at populist voters who cherish values and tradition. Yeah. Yeah, we have to watch this because these are the enemies 
these are our, our common enemies or the people who are attempting to to uh to eradicate Christianity, to eradicate free speech, to take away your gun rights. I was talking with an individual today, um the, the, who said he fully expects uh well, uh, he, he he's a businessman, and he says, "You know something? I was never, uh, uh, I was never, I never paid attention to current events until, uh, well, in, until the last year or so." And he said, "Now I'm seeing exactly what um, we talk about, and uh, that that is uh, that we are right now the targets for or targets of the globalists." And I was amazed at his level of understanding. Uh, and 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 he also said this, Joe. To me, and a young man, younger, relative young, he said, "I am not. Uh, I'm not going to uh, uh, die on my knees. I'm going to live on my feet." Yeah. So, and, and what um, this uh, James Tarab wrote a column for Foreign Policy magazine. As a member of Council on Foreign Relations, said that the elite need to rise up against the mindlessly angry, ignorant masses. In order to yeah. prevent globalization from being derailed by the populist revolt that has led to Brexit and the rise of Donald Trump, now think about this. Let's put this into perspective. By the way, Kissinger blamed uh, Obama. Obama for Brexit, but anyway, go on. Go on. Globalization. If you believe that there is a group of people working to bring about an end of the nation-state era for a globalist society. You are a domestic extremist, according to the Department of Homeland Security. And, and please don't take these these titles lightly. Remember when Alex Jones got on and uh, talked about the lexicon, about the uh, yeah the DHS know, lexicon. Do not take these titles lightly. These labels lightly. Understand, you are on a list, and understand that those lists are well, well. And I mean, I have the lexicon here. There's. Christian identity on it, anti-government movement, uh, and it even there's a specific category who, for people uh, who believe that there is a secret cabal trying to bring about a globalist utopian. But concern that today's citizen revolt in the U.S., Britain, and Europe may upend politics as nothing else has in my lifetime. Traub notes that. Brexit was an utter uh, repudiation of bankers and economists and an example of how extremism has gone mainstream. Citing the potential for Trump to split the Republican Party even if he loses and the increasing unpopularity of France's social government, Traub argues that establishment political parties in major Western countries must combine forces to keep out the nationalists with prospects of flat growth in Europe and minimal income in the U.S., votes are rebelling against their dismal long-term prospects. I understand right, the, 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 the label of nationalist. These are Tavistock-type labels. 1984 lexicon. Being a nationalist is a bad thing. Okay, uh, You know, God... Am I wrong? But God he was, was very serious. <laughs> well, he was very serious about borders. Read the Bible. And, and yeah, he was concerned about borders. God. Yes, he was. All right. So, um, and many equate being a nationalist with, uh, um, in more than one way in God. Because well, when you yeah. look at the establishment of the, the state of Israel, but then you look at what happened with the Tower of Babel. 
when he confounded the language of but the one world government too, to bring yes, it yes, to yes, 70 yes. different languages in 70 different nations, spreading them across the face of the earth. Right, but that does not... Okay, so and, you're and talking about you two, go different back to, two different to, objectives here. Well, right, Israel uh, being God's um, timepiece and the country of his creation. But going back, you know, what was... What was uh, the town Babylon, the Tower of Babel, all about, and Nimrod? Well, it, they it, were of one mind and one language, right? And nothing could be stopped that was in their imaginations. And they wanted to build a tower to heaven, and God and and those archangels came down and saw what they were doing, and confounded their language. It's even in the Bible they say, "Let us do this before they, the Lord comes down and confounds our language and spreads us across the face of the earth." But the Tower of Babel, the, of course, was the purpose. In, right. Uh, the much more complex, much right, more right, complex right. than 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 merely uh, you know building. But how a did he skyscraper basically? How did he resolve that situation? Meaning what? He took the people who were all of one language and created 70 different nations and languages. Right, right, exactly. But this Traub goes on to say uh, that pro-Trump Republican bases are know-nothing, know-nothings who are concerned with values and traditions, stressing, stressing that push for further globalization will pit poor and non-white and marginal citizens against working-class middle working and middle-class whites, who he describes as angry fist-shakers. Traub admits his outlook is elitist, but that it is necessary to say that people are deluded and that the task of leadership is to undelude them. Well, okay. <laughs> Any anyone who is a leader, it's up to. It's, if you're a leader of a group, it's it's up to you to uh, direct that group. If you're a boss, if you're an executive, if, if you're a CEO, it, it, the buck stops with you. So yes, you've got to be a leader. However, what he, I mean, th- there's a difference between leadership and uh, the hubris of uh, 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 classifying people as as ignorant masses, you know, part of the ignorant masses. This is nothing more than hubris that that we're seeing from from these globalists. And they do feel threatened. So if Donald Trump did nothing else or has done nothing else, um, he has certainly exposed, whether wittingly or not, this divide, or or the, I'm sorry, the objectives of the globalists. And uh, And, uh, back to this lexicon, yeah. Let yeah. me go through some of these terms that the Department of Homeland Security yeah. released March 26, 2009. Just search DHS Lexicon 20, uh, 2009. This is some of the extremisms. One, alternative media, a term used to describe various information sources that provide a form for interpretation of events and issues that differ radically from those presented in mass media outlets. Anti-abortion extremism. A movement or group of individuals who are uh, virulently anti-abortion and advocate violence against providers and abortion-related services. But, but, but see how they throw in they, advocate they merge violence, this, right? Right. Another one: anti-immigration extremist. A movement of groups or individuals who are opposed to illegal immigration. Well, these are all <laughs> globalist initiatives, and, and they say that uh, uh, they. They believe that they are highly critical of the U.S. government's response to illegal immigration and oppose government programs that are designed to extend rights to illegal aliens, 
such as issuing driver's license, medical benefits, and state tuition. And, and folks, let, let me just say this: the, the, the Christian uh, identity. The, well, it, it, we, you know, the, our listeners know these these labels. I will say this in in closing here of tonight's program: what Obama is doing right now, and uh, this is well sourced. He has p- pulled out all the stops. He is he is doing the Jarrett dance. Jarrett, uh, of course, saying there's going to be hell to pay. Uh, on the other side of the election 2012 well now all of the stops are being pulled he's having uh he's having uh, uh court companies that that are subcontracting to uh ICE DHS uh, and other agencies just import illegals into this country he is exacerbating the racial and class divides and he's doing this. And somebody had asked me earlier today, do you think that there's going to be an election? I think there's going to be an election like you've never seen before in the history of this country. I think it's going to be. Um, yeah, we came across some information very, today that. Very. Go ahead. I mean, I'm not going to even talk about it, but there is some some hanky panky going on with. Law enforcement, intelligence agencies uh, mainly, and Donald Trump and the removal of the Republican nominee for president before he gets his And and I I think a lot of people are not going, uh, the majority of the population out there, what's coming, I don't believe the majority of the population, those people who do not listen to the new media or independent media or those people who don't believe what we're saying i believe that they're going to wake up one day and 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 just be you know smacked upside the head and wondering what happened because i do believe there will be things that we they're never going to see what's about to happen happen um so anyway we're at the end of the program tomorrow night paul mcguire his book is available, A Prophecy yes. of the Future of America, 2016-2017. That's right. He's been doing the rounds on a number of radio shows. Go to paulmcguire.us to get a sneak peek at some of the issues that he'll be talking on tomorrow. He's got some great yep. new stuff up there on his, on we're, his we're website. Have, we're, in fact, we're on the HagmanReport.com. It'll be on our website as well. He talks about the the Brexit uh, as well as the what has happened in Turkey. And the uh, coming system, uh, money system crisis uh, that he talks about. And it follow the money on Brexit, follow the money on all of these issues, because it, it is really about the wealth, the confiscation of your wealth. And, uh, oh boy, it's coming. We're, we're headed for it. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being part of our family. Thanks for your support. Thanks for being. Thanks for being you, each and every one of you. I just want to say that uh, tomorrow night, Paul McGuire, thank you, Global Star Radio Network, and everyone who has listened, prayed, and been a part of our lives. Until tomorrow, God bless. Good night. This is the Global Star Radio Network.